welcome back or welcome to another episode of Push the Limits, a podcast for wedding photographers who want to grow their photography business. Today, we're going to be talking about how to follow up with leads and how to increase your rate of getting responses from leads that inquire with you. In this podcast, we are going to split things up into two um, topics. We'll talk about following up with clients uh, before the consultation process, so during the inquiry process. And then we'll talk about following up with clients after the consultation, so after your proposal's been sent and uh, hearing back from clients on that end of things. Let's jump right in then. Um, you talked about this yesterday, uh, the same topic in the mastermind group, and I found it really helpful because it's something that we just did a wedding show and we've got 78 new leads that we have that I'm reaching out to and following up with. And not just with those leads, but with everyone, the question is how do I like get them to respond? How do I not get ghosted? How do I follow up and close the sale, right? And I think what you had to say had lots of gold and and some really actionable things that, that I took some notes on yesterday and I think we can all take away from. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. So let's just jump right into the first part of this discussion, which you brought up the term ghosting, and let's define that really quick. So ghosting in the business world is when a client that you are interacting with or talking with does not respond to your messages after a period of time. And that period of time is generally considered to be about three days. So after three days of messaging a client, if you do not hear back from them, they quote unquote ghosted you. Um, and this, when we talk about ghosting in wedding photography, we're typically referring to when somebody inquires with us, we send them our information back and we don't hear back from them uh, uh, with our response email. And that is just one side of it. Uh, the other side of it is, again, when we've sent the proposal and we've already met with them and we don't hear back. So let's talk about that first side, the inquiry side of things. And there are a ton of different reasons why a client might be ghosting you at this point or not following up with your messages, despite the fact that they inquired. So the first thing I want to bring up uh, is that the client maybe just didn't hear from you. So uh, there, to make a long story short, um, something that we discovered in our business recently is that a portion of our emails were going to spam for our clients. And uh, these are clients that inquired with us and actually were really interested in meeting with us. And in fact, when we did finally get in touch with them later on, they did book us, um, but they initially weren't getting our emails. And some of those, unfortunately, they didn't get our emails. They thought we weren't interested, even though we were, and they went and uh, started working with someone else. Um, so that's a bummer for us because, uh, and bummer for them because they didn't get to work with us. Uh, so there is a couple different ways that you can solve this problem. So whatever you're currently doing, if somebody inquires with you and you're sending your messages back, and that's usually through email, it's important to incorporate a second form of communication. So the most common way to do that might be through text message. Now, I think a lot of photographers feel like texting is a little too invasive, uh, but remember these people did inquire with you, so they are interested. Now, I wouldn't jump right to calling and text messaging somebody if you send a couple emails and they're not responding. Um, I would do one polite text message after your initial email, just to make sure they got your email. Because like I said, sometimes those emails can go to spam and that's it. Unless a client really wants to communicate with you over a uh, text message, um, I would be very cautious as to how much you are calling and texting people. 
Yeah, I like that. Second thing that uh, uh, could be happening is that the client might be busy. Now, we all are very busy uh, in our lives, and uh, especially us business owners, uh, but we often forget that people that don't have businesses to have careers and sometimes kids and uh, families and uh, maybe school graduation stuff is going on. And um, I'm still guilty of this as much as I try not to be, but sometimes things slip through the cracks. And while we might have really good intentions on following up with somebody, uh, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, a couple of days go by and we're like, wow, I feel like I just got that email yesterday and it's already been a week. Where did the time go? When that happens, the client at that point might be too embarrassed to follow up with you uh, because they did inquire and now they feel like, okay, now uh, it's been a while. I thought I'd get back to them a lot sooner uh, and I'm a little embarrassed to follow up and uh, answer their or their email because uh, um, I feel kind of silly. I have to admit that I didn't follow through my commitment. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that could be going on there. So just make sure that whatever you're doing to follow up with them, you create an environment that is very welcoming and non-judgmental. Uh, we don't want anybody to ever feel like um, they uh, are being put on the spot or anything or, you know, like, why haven't you answered my emails or anything like that? Uh, so make sure the environment is something they want to come back to. Um, point number three here is that they possibly don't need anything. So they inquired with you and maybe they were just collecting prices or maybe things have changed with their wedding plans. So they were planning on having the wedding this summer. Um, grandpa got sick between the time they contacted you and the time they're going to get back to you and they decided, hey, this is just not a good time for us. We're just going to postpone this. And the default for most people isn't to send a like nice reply back. It's just to simply say nothing because it's easier. You know, if you've ever gotten an email and it was some unsolicited email or spam or what have you, if we're really busy, the easier thing to do is just not follow up with it. And it's nothing personal. Uh, it's that things are just going on on their end. So like I said, you always want to make sure the environment that you're creating is friendly and welcoming because down the road, they might need to come back and, and still look for a photographer and uh, decide to move forward with wedding plans. And you want to make sure that they don't feel bad or awkward or uncomfortable about coming back to uh, you again uh, at a later date. Yeah, I like that. I uh, It's interesting because doesn't happen often but there are those times where someone's inquired you reach out you follow up follow up follow up nothing you don't hear anything back but because your follow-ups were inviting and creating an environment where they felt comfortable to reach out if they did where like months might go by and then all of a sudden they'll reach out and that actually happened to us semi-recently where uh someone had reached out we just kind of wrote it off and then all of a sudden they reached out again, like, oh, we're actually now ready to move forward. And they just weren't ready three months previous when they had reached out initially. And so I think if we had not been inviting, like you're saying, um, they probably wouldn't have. I've got a question for you though. Um, how often are you following up? So you get that initial inquiry, you send them an email, they don't respond, you shoot them a quick, nice text, they don't respond. You send them another follow-up email. They don't like how how often are you following up until then you say, okay, I'm gonna put this on the shelf and 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 let this go. Yeah. So what I do personally is um probably not considered best practice. I could follow up a whole lot more than I am. Um and uh Lady and I, we're just at a point in our business where we are getting lots of inquiries. Um, and that's not to like 
brag or gloat or anything like that. But if we followed up pretty consistently with every lead, we'd be spending a lot of time just on email and text messages and that kind of stuff. So um, we follow up a little bit more heavily on the, on the clients that we feel are really good fits for us. So, you know, like there will be a particular wedding that comes along and you feel like, okay, this is going to be one that's really uh, a portfolio building wedding, or it's a location where you really want to shoot at, or you just really felt like you connected with the client through their um, uh, inquiry. If I email them and I don't hear back from them, right, then, you know, I give them 24 to 48 hours to respond to the email before I send a text message. So like I said, we're just giving them that flexibility to, to respond. I don't want to be nagging. I'll send them a text message and say, like, hi, you know, so-and-so, this is the Borneys. You inquired with us about your wedding photography. We're really interested in working with you. Um, we sent you an email. We just want to make sure you got it. And if they don't say anything to that, uh, then I leave it at that. I don't send another email or text message after that. Um, that's all we do, honestly. So, and the, there's a lot of emails that come through our door or a lot of inquiries that come through our door that we just send an email for. And we don't follow up with text message right away um, because, like I said, there's just a lot of people that we'd be chasing down. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great situation to be in, getting lots of inquiries. I think that's amazing. Uh, I think for us, we follow up a little bit more than that. And more, but like you said, creating an environment like if they never respond, I'm not going to be rude. doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, in my mind, I say me following up one more time. I, there's no real downside, right? The worst that happens is they don't respond. They already haven't been responding. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like they're not going to be uber bugged by, and I'm not following up 10 times, right? So they're not getting like spammed, but it's a, it's usually for us an email, a text, and then two more emails. And then at, so after they get three emails from us in that chain, then it's done. And that third one's like, hey, uh, would love to work with you. If you're interested in having us, let me know otherwise like have a great wedding right wish you all the best right. and yeah it's it's interesting i will say though on that third follow-up i get more responses on that one like a higher response rate than like anything else even if it's we went with someone else once that third one happens it's almost like because it's 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 that putting it in their court type of thing and they almost feel like obligated, like, okay, this person's followed up so much. I'm at least going to respond now. And uh, right. so that that's what we do. But I I think that you're in a, a, a good situation. I think that's awesome. And it works for you guys. Yeah, it does. And like I said, we could be a little bit better about following up their leads. And we have been in the past. Uh, so in the past, we used to do, you know, three to four emails to follow up after our initial email. What I found was that most of them didn't get a reply and, and uh, I didn't see a lot of good return on my time with that. It was a lot of just uh, felt like I was nagging people. And that's one thing we try to be very mindful of is that we don't want to like nag people because as we go through the rest of these points here, uh, ultimately, we just simply don't know what's going on on the other side of the, the computer there. And more often than not, and I would say the not just more often than not, that's kind of a cliche way of putting it. You know, like 99% uh, of the time, it has nothing to do with you personally, and it's not anything you've done necessarily. It's what the person that's inquiring with you uh, is going through and what they're doing. And again, there's just no way of knowing. But there is that 1% of the time that it is you, and that's the next point, which is they've lost confidence in you. And that might be because of the way that you responded or how long it took you to respond. And everybody has their own 
judgment or preconceived notion about how things should be done with email and communication. But um, in general, when we're talking about response rates uh, and your time to respond, it should be within about 24 hours. So yes, the sooner you can respond to an email, the better. The sooner you can respond, the better. You're going to see a higher response rate, open response rate, higher rate of people opening your emails um, if you respond quickly, but you have a life too. So I would always tell photographers, don't stress out about it. If you're on vacation and you're like, you know, a roller coaster with your kid and you're having a blast and you get an inquiry, don't be like, stop. Right now, no life should come before your work. Um, so you finish and have fun, and then get to that inquiry that evening when everybody goes to bed, kind of thing. But um, in general, get back to your inquiries within 24 hours, uh, and then you know your response itself should be pretty short and sweet. You know, nothing overly long. You don't want to use a lot of explanation, a lot of technical language, or anything like that. If you write a big long email back that says, "I'm so excited to work with you. I've shot at your wedding before. Here's all my gear, and here's how many years I have had photography experience. And this is why you should book me. And here's four galleries. And here's my you know investment guide." And you give them all this information, they're likely not going to go through all of that, and they're just going to go to the email that's shorter if they inquire with a couple different people because it's easier to follow up with that. And if they're inquiring with another photographer that looks pretty comparable to you and they're just made it easier for them, they're, most people are going to go with the easier, right? So there's that. And then final point here is that they uh, just simply aren't interested. So, uh, and this is maybe they didn't see the value in your work. Uh, maybe they don't have the money. Maybe it's just too much for them to take on both financially or time commitment. Um, maybe you weren't their first choice. Maybe they were uh, inquiring with, with a bunch of people, their friends said, hey, no, you need to get like so-and-so. So they decided to go with another photographer and that was something totally out of your control, right? Um, so there are people change their minds between the time they inquire and the time they get your response. And again, it's nothing personal. So I don't want anybody listening to this podcast to think like, oh man, nobody's responding. Maybe there's something wrong with me. It's unlikely the case. Uh, if you're just being polite and you uh, are putting your best foot forward and you are being a nice, generous person, um, it's probably nothing you've done. So I think yeah. that uh, I think that's really important. I think sometimes it can be discouraging for if you get an inquiry, right, and you do all these things and you don't hear back. And it's easy to think, like you said, what am I doing wrong? And sometimes maybe you are doing something wrong, right? Maybe that is a good time to re reflect on what your responses are. Like you said, sometimes just things that you don't control and it's nothing you're doing and you just gotta, it just wasn't the right fit for whatever reason. Yeah. So um, I've already touched on a couple ways that you can increase your response rate. And we're just gonna recap those really quick. First, um, your open rates to your emails. Uh, make sure that your response is short and sweet um, and make sure that you were responding in a prompt and timely manner. Um, make sure that the language that you're using fits your brand too. So it's something that I tell all my students, if your brand is um, a certain way, like let's say it's very refined and elegant, uh, but then your email is very bubbly and casual, like, hey, it's going y'all kind of thing. Um, not that there's anything wrong with saying y'all or how's it going or anything like that. Uh, you just want it to match your brand, right? Um, so there's that. And you always want to make sure that your emails are professional and you're putting that uh, um, imagery first and foremost. Um, and then uh, making sure that your call to action, your email is very obvious. So um, one thing that I strongly discourage is never to end your email with, let me know. Let me know if you want to meet. Let me know if this sounds good. Let me know if you want me to send pricing. Because any of those let me knows are just really, the, that you might as well end the email with, 
um, feel free to procrastinate responding to me as long as possible because <laughs> you're not giving a very clear uh, expectation for the client. So always end with a very solid call to action. The way that I like to end my emails is with two dates. I'll say, I would love to meet with you. Would you like to meet with me on this day or this day? And I pick a day that's very close uh, to um, the time they inquire. So within the next day or two. Um, and because the sooner you can meet with someone, the better. And then I give them one that's another couple of days out. So if they, let's say, inquired with me on a Tuesday, I'd give them the availability to meet with me on Wednesday or Thursday. And if that doesn't work, here's a Saturday or maybe a following Monday. Um, so uh, I would give them two days and then also give them the option to pick a different day if they need to. Uh, but when you give them those two days, people are more likely to uh, tailor their schedule to fit your needs, right? So if you say, I have an opening at one o'clock tomorrow, I'd love to meet with you. And they will rearrange their schedule to make that happen, right? Because they inquired, uh, they want to meet with you. They're going to make that happen. Um, and so that also gives them a very clear uh, um, expectation of, of meeting, right? And it's, it's a lot less, if you put the ball in their court, so to speak, and tell them to like, okay, I'm available to meet. Let me know what, let me know what works best with you. Well, they're like, oh man, I'm super busy. I, like, I'll have to get back to them on that and pick a time, right? So make sure that your call to action is very clear. And so they know exactly what to do. Question. So, yeah. Because I love what you said. What about a, a call to action? I see this too is what day works best for you next week? Is that still too vague? Would it be better for instead of saying what day, like you said, would Monday or Tuesday be best, right? I would still do like, okay, can you meet Wednesday or Saturday? If those days, days don't work for you, um, we can schedule a date next week. Or if uh, there's another better time next week, we can make that happen through something to that effect. But let yeah. them know that there's an option to schedule another time, um, but you're giving them those two days to pick between first, right? So they're going to look at those two days, decide if that's going to work for them or not. And if not, then they can work out. And honestly, I think that last sentence is um, sort of implied because if you say, I can meet with you Monday or Saturday and they come back, they're going to say, I can't meet either of those days, but I'm available next week, Wednesday that's still, you know, they, they've then created an opening in their schedule for you. Yeah, that's great. I've never had anybody respond to the email and say, those days don't work <laughs> and not offered anything in return, you know? Yeah, I guess, I guess not. <laughs> well, I guess you missed your shot, then, all right? <laughs> Better look at the next person you can hire. No, so um, the last thing I want to share with this inquiry uh, is um, an email template that I wrote up for the mastermind. It's very short, so I think I could just read it off here. Yeah. Um, and this is something that we're using in our current business, and I find we get uh, ghosted very infrequently with it. In fact, I don't know if we've ever been ghosted with this particular format. So um, the way it goes is if someone inquires, we say, hi, insert person's name. Thank you so much for inquiring with me. I would be honored to photograph your wedding at venue next year. Uh, I was just there last summer and fell in love with the venue. Now that I like to put that we've been to the venue before if we've actually been there, right? Like I'm obviously not going to say I've been there if I haven't, um, because that's addressing one of their questions right out of the, the gate. And unless they've seen a lot of photos, like there's a venue that we shoot in Michigan quite frequently, and it's pretty obvious that we shoot there. Uh, but if it's a venue that we don't maybe have a lot of work that we show on our website, uh, maybe the wedding that we shot there wasn't really uh, for our brand, but we still have work there. I know that they're probably wondering, have you ever been there before? Just answer that question for them without them even asking. So it's going to be one of their first questions. What if, if you've never been there? 
So if I've never been there, um, and we also ask um, in our uh, our intake form, we ask people what they like about our work. Um, and I will use this instead if they've written a kind of a long thing about that. If they go on and really take the time to tell us what they like about our work, I thank them for that. I say, thank you so much for your kind words. That truly means a lot to me. Um, thank you for all the things you said about our work. And I would use that instead of the last sentence. Yeah. So, um, and that puts me in a position of just being a nice person, right? Um, they took the time to fill out all that information and answer our question. And we are reciprocating that with gratitude um, because it really does mean a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Um, so after one of those two sentences, then I move on to say, um, I would love to get you get to know you better over a quick Zoom call. Are you available to meet tomorrow evening or Saturday afternoon? And so sometimes I won't give them a specific time. I'll just say evening or afternoon uh, if the whole block is open for me. If the, you know, Thursday afternoon is completely open, I'll say, are you available to meet Thursday afternoon? Um, they might come back and say, yeah, you know, two o'clock works really good for me. Uh, because honestly, at that point, it doesn't matter to me if it's two, three or four, you know, it's whatever works best for them uh, if they can meet the next day. Yeah. That's it. I look forward to hearing from you. All my best. Our name. Your name. I think that's great. I think from yesterday, that was one thing I wrote down was that we're going to do differently is our initial emails are pretty long. Uh, and I think they're really solid. I think they're good emails. And, and most of the time we do get a good response from it. But I like the idea of just short, sweet, because the goal is to get them on a call, right? The goal is to meet with them. Because at least for us, when we can meet with someone and get on a call, our close rate just shoots up, right? We're, we're much more likely to book with them if we can get on a call with them. And I think that's for most photographers, right? Most of us are more people people, people persons. And so when we can get in front of the people, our personalities can come out a lot more versus just in an email. And so I like the short and sweet, let's get on a call. It'll be quick. It's not going to be a long call. It's not going to take your whole afternoon, but we'll get to know you better. We'll give you all of our pricing and we'll see if this is going to work out. Yeah. So I like that. So that's one thing we're going to do different. Yeah. So the one thing that we should probably address here is pricing or no pricing. And um, if somebody asks for pricing, then we absolutely will send it. Uh, we don't have any, like, we don't play any games where, like, you need to meet with us, we'll send you pricing, nothing like that. They ask, here's our pricing. Um, and if they don't ask for pricing, then we tend not to send it. We go over that during the consultation. Yeah. So this does mean we meet with some people who are maybe not in the budget uh, necessarily, but there is a skill, I think, that as you get more inquiries, you start to get an idea of who is going to be more qualified and not. Um, so you, and for us, it tends to be particular venues, particular weddings. Um, we have an idea of that, what their budget is going to be like. And um, we do like to get them on the call because even if they are ultimately not in um, uh, our their budget, uh, our price isn't in their budget, we can still work with them a little bit. So we can ask them, yeah, what is their budget? Maybe we can hook them up with our associate. And we still got in front of them before anyone else did. And um, that does give you uh, an advantage over uh, anyone else. So if you if you just simply add your pricing and send that in there, you'll find that most uh, people, you'll still get people who want to meet with you who really are, are interested in your work, but you'll find that your, um, your meeting rates are going to go way down uh, because you're not getting, everybody is just going to look at that price. Uh, not everybody. People will look at that price. They think of you as just a number and they won't give you the opportunity to talk and meet with them first. So 
Um, that's just a kind of a business thing that you get to decide based on your business. So in general, if you don't put pricing in, you're going to meet with more people and just be okay that you might meet with some people who can't necessarily afford you, but you can still work with them on that. Um, or put your pricing in and you're going to exclude some people and the people you will meet with will more likely be ones that will book with you uh, because they'll know your pricing. Awesome. Okay, so moving on to the final part of this discussion today, and that is getting ghosted after you send the proposal. Now, it never feels great to get ghosted, um, and uh, it hurts to get ghosted after uh, people inquire and they, you don't hear from them, but it hurts so much more after you've met with them and you don't hear back from them. Um, because now we feel like, oh, what did I say? What did I do? And then that's when we really feel like we take it personal. Um, and again, don't take it personal. It's okay. It's not you. Um, there's so many other things. Most of the things that we talked about before still apply here, um, but the things that you have to do are obviously a little bit different, right? So um, here are some ways that you can uh, reduce the chance of getting ghosted after you send the proposal. Now, let's first go over that, you know, some people are just not going to have the budget. And again, that's okay. You may meet with somebody and they're like, budget is X thousands of dollars and you're three or $4,000 more than that. Um, you can make the decision if you are willing to work at that price or not, or if you want to somehow modify your collections, make them custom and make that work for them. Um, th that's just one portion of that. But for everyone else, and, and this is kind of what you can do in order to increase your closing rate of your consultations. So the first thing you should do is closing the time gap. And what do I mean by that? I mean, the, the, if you take a sales training course, they will all recommend that you close during the sales consultation itself. Now, that's not what a lot of photographers do. Um, and a lot of clients don't want that and they don't expect that. So we tend not to close during the consultation. Um, and I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's just typically we're not coming from a sales background. So we want to shorten the time frame between when we send them the proposal to the time they actually book with us. And um, uh, in that time frame, the way that we do that is with uh, expiring our proposals. So just to let people know what I mean by proposal, because they might do things differently. In our CRM, we have what's called a proposal. And that is our, uh, our, our pricing is all set out. It's like the collection itself, the items of the collection, the payment schedule, and the contract. It's all together in one neat little package called a proposal. And we send those after every consultation. Um, now we send them to our clients. We don't tell them they have to sign it right away, but we say, Hey, you've met with us. We've gone over our pricing with you. And it sounds like this collection would be the best for you. Let me send you the proposal. So we send you the, uh, the pricing and everything. We send you the collection. We'll send you the contract. So it's all in place for you to take a look at. We know it's a big investment, talk it over. Um, and here's everything. So we put that in their hands at the end of every consultation. We don't wait for them to say, hey, I'm ready to book you um, because uh, we wanna make it as easy as Amazon. So all they gotta do is just click one button to buy with us, right? So after that, what kills most photographers is they send that proposal off and there is no time limit for them. So they, they say, all right, there's the proposal um, and they're expecting the clients to get back to them. A week goes by, a week and a half goes by. Now you're in this awkward position of like, I. I guess they're not booking me. I haven't heard from them. Do they get busy? I got another inquiry for the state. What do I do? So we shorten that time by saying, here's our proposal. Take a, uh, take a look at it. Just so you know, it expires in five days. Um, so let us know within five days if you want to book with us or not. 
Uh, and we, we tell them that because now they have a deadline to decide if um, they want to work with us. And there's a lot of reasons why that's important, um, but it makes it easy for both of us, right? The clients know they have to decide if they're going to move on with somebody else. They have five days to determine that. Otherwise, the ship will sail and they won't have the opportunity. We'll open up that date for somebody else. Now, five days is what we've done in the past. Honestly, that's too long. Five days is plenty of time for somebody else to come in, meet with them, and they can book that other person. People will tend to book the last person they met with because the emotion of everything is the highest, right? So right after they meet with you, that's when they have the highest amount of positive emotional feelings for you. And purchasing is an emotional decision. It's not a uh, logical decision. So even if the other person has maybe some subpar work in uh, uh, some measurement of photography, that maybe their work is not quite as good, maybe they're even more expensive, if they feel really good after meeting that person, they're likely going to book that person and not you if they met you five days ago. So I would recommend shortening that to 48 hours. So 48 hours is, I say, here's the proposal. You have two days to decide if you want to book us or not. Um, that's more than enough time. And, and, and that's very generous in terms of making decisions. Uh, the, the exception to that is if they say, hey, Thank you. This is really great. I need to talk to my mom about it. I live in Chicago. She lives in San Diego. We're going to get together at our lake house in North Dakota this Saturday. Uh, can I uh, can I have an extension on that? And we'll say, of course, right? Because the person that's paying for it, they need to talk it over with them. So there's no being like, nope, 48 hours. So um, that's the exception to that. But for everyone else, give them 48 hours to make their decision. Now I touch on this, this is the next point, take advantage of the emotional peaks. We want to capitalize on that. So we want to make sure that they still feel good about the work that they're getting and, and working with us. And so we want them to make the decision when that emotional peak is high. And we're doing that by closing that time gap, right? The time they feel like the emotional peak is the highest is right at the end of the sales call. So ideally, if you can get them to book sooner than later, that's better. Um, and you could do different things with that. So one of the strategies is what's called a booking incentive. So you can say, hey, you know, uh, you got two days to decide. And if you book with me by the end of the day or you book with me within 24 hours, I will give you a free something. And that could be a free hour of coverage. That could be a print credit. That could be um, a rehearsal dinner. Uh, it could be a free session, a bridal session, anniversary session, whatever it is you want to offer. Um, that's going to sweeten the deal. Because if they like your work, they like what you're offering, you're at a price that they like. Now you're just giving them, now it's like an easy like a decision, right? Now it's like, oh, we like them. We're going to meet with this other person. But man, if we do it within 24 hours, we get this thing that we really want, this album, let's say. Uh, and we were thinking about getting an album. So now they have a good reason to book you over waiting to meet with someone else. Um, so take advantage of those emotional peaks. Um, and uh, this is something that uh, other organizations will do um in you know i like to use the example of an app um they'll do a free trial right so apps like if we have an app that's let's say an app is a hundred dollars a year annual subscription um i don't know if i would ever buy that app if i didn't get to try it out first right so you want to give a little bit in order to get right so uh we're taking advantage of that kind of principle here um finally there is uh um the last point here would be to never come unprepared. 
you want to enter every consultation with um, everything you need in order to close the consultation. So the thing that you don't want to do is to go in the consultation and be unsure of anything, right? I'm unsure of how I'm going to do that. I'm unsure of how I'm going to price that. Let me put something together. Um, and all those things that we do in order to buy time uh, is creating some uncertainty on the client side of things. And that is a huge red flag for clients. So a good example of this might be like travel, right? So the client meets with you, they have travel and they say like, okay, we're getting married here and we want to do the engagement session here. Um, how, how much is that going to cost? And you're like, well, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't priced it out yet. Right. So let me, uh, let me put this together for you and I'll get back to you. So you get off the consultation, you, you know, message five of your friends. How do you travel? How do you travel? Like, who should I fly with? And then you're trying to scramble to figure this thing out. Um, it's that time frame that you're trying to figure it out. You've lost them. So I recommend coming in with a plan. So have, if you're going to do like, let's say travel, maybe build a travel collection, right? So, you know, you look at some of the things that people want during travel. Maybe it's a pre-wedding shoot, 10 hours of coverage. You decide a flat rate for travel and you put that all together in a collection. You could send that to them right away. You say, hey, you know what? This is my collection for um, uh, domestic weddings. This is what I do for, you know, weddings that are on like this side of the state. If you live on like, if you live in New York and you shoot in California, create your California collection, right? Or vice versa. Have those collections already created so that when you go to the consultation, you're prepared to close that client. And if you had to, they could sign on the dotted line because that's where you want to be. You want to have everything together, ready for them to go. You have them in the CRM, so you are prepared for them. I really love that. And that was something that I took away yesterday. And it's something that I think a lot of us intuitively might know or think about, but it's this being prepared and like having everything ready to close on the call. So like for us, um, and it goes back to what you said earlier, just making everything, it just simplifies everything for the for our clients, right? They're going to make the simplest decision. If it's a lot of work on them with us, but it's really easy with someone else, they're probably just going to go with the easier version, everything else being pretty similar. And so for us, for example, we usually, we do our call and everything's ready but then I'll send it to them after. I don't send the proposal. I'll send like the thing we go over on the call with an email. I'm going to follow up in a couple of days and it works fine. Like we, we book, like I said, when, after we have that call, we book a high rate of those calls, but I really like the idea of that, that email that I'm sending right after the call, instead of the email, it's just the proposal with everything. Like, Hey, here's the proposal. Here's everything we talked about. Right. And even like you said, sending it while I'm on the call. So I'm talking to them right now. Hey, I just sent over the proposal. Let me know if you got it, right? Did you receive it? And that way they can go, oh yeah, I got it right here. Perfect, yeah. Take a look at it. There's no rush. You've got your time. I really like that. I think that that simplifies everything for them and for us in a way that I just, I think it's it, it would it's really gonna help us with closing more and then also making it easier on our clients to, to see everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, we were mentioned there, Tyler, I, I didn't mention here in the podcast, but what our process currently is, is that we meet with clients and we send them a proposal immediately following the call. So we're really um, sticklers about sending that thing right away. So as soon as we meet them, we make a recommendation. We ask them, Hey, what collection are you most interested in? They tell us we're interested in this collection. And we say, great, we're going to go ahead and send that over for you, everything in one place. And we got 48 hours. And so we get off the call, we send that email right away. Um, so they're getting that within five, 10 minutes because everything's already in our CRM and we just got to click a few buttons. 
But what I am considering doing now is sending it to our clients during the call itself. So it gets them to have it in their hands and open it. I'm not asking them to sign it. I'm just asking them to have it. And the way that we'll do that is you can ask for permission. Can I show you something? I'm just going to send this over. I want you to make sure that you get it okay. And the answer to that is almost always going to be yes. You know, you're not asking them to do anything other than like, can I show you this thing? Like, all right, this sounds like a collections for you. You don't have to make a decision here. I just want to make sure you get it okay. So I send it over. Can you check your email? They're going to go check their email. Like, oh yeah, it's right here. Click, click, click. And then you know that they got the email, right? Um, and that they got the proposal because there is this lag sometimes that you send that over right away. They open the email. They never open the proposal. And you're like, okay, what's going on? When are they go? We're going to open it. And they're like, should I email them? Should I make sure? Should I send that? And sometimes it's like a day or two and you're wondering like, what's going on? Uh, and again, we can't possibly know, but at least this way, you know that they have the proposal, you know that they opened it and they can't hide from it. They know you know that you've they've opened it and that they've seen it. And so now they have to make that decision. Yeah, no, I really like that. And for and going back to one of the early points, you're making sure they got it, right? It's like, what if it goes to junk? Because that's happened some, for whatever reason, sometimes our proposals will go to like someone's spam folder and sometimes they won't. Yeah, don't know why. But like, if if you're sending it to them while you're with them and saying like, hey, just let me know if you got it so I can make sure you got it. Like, you just know right away, okay, they got it. And uh, and I think that that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna start doing that too. We have a call tomorrow morning at 11 with someone and on the call, I'm gonna be saying at the end of it, hey, I just sent over the proposal, take a look at it. There's no rush or pressure right? Like it'll be live and available for you for the next two days. Um, feel free to look everything over. Let me know if you have any questions and we'll follow up then. Yeah, Tyler. And I think another thing that you can do is that you can have them open it and just say, I want to walk through this proposal with you guys and we can just do it together. And then just walk them through those points again, because the proposal should be written in a way that builds value for what you're selling. And you can say, all right, here's the, you know, you can see here, you get the, you know, 10 hours of coverage and you get two photographers that include, you're just recapping that with them one more time. And it's in their hands. Like it's there. And the only thing they have to do is just check. Yes. Yeah. I like that a lot for the people that don't know what collection they want. So, um, uh, I like you guys. I'm not sure which one would be best. Is it the 10 hour one is it the eight hour one, which one's best. What what we've done in the past is we've sent a proposal over that uh, has both, but it doesn't have like both prices. So I just like cross out the prices and I'll say we can pick which one later. And then when they pick which one, I'll resend a new proposal over. Uh, have you done anything like that? Or what do you do? Yeah, well, we, we, we make, as the expert, we make a recommendation, right? Because we know if they don't know, I can tell them. I can, if I, they tell me about their wedding, I could say, honestly, you know, we have a collection that's eight hours. We have one that's 10 hours of the engagement session. It's like, we don't want an engagement session. Well, that's easy. They want an engagement session. Well, that makes it really easy too, right? <laughs> if they're like, we're not sure about the engagement session, then just like, okay, what is the, what are the details of the wedding, right? Do they have a big Catholic mass? Um, is it going to be a, uh, I'm sorry, not Catholic mass, Catholic ceremony. Um, is there going to be a lot of uh, uh, back and forth travel between the venues? Uh, and then they're going to probably need the 10 hours. So I'll say, you know what? It sounds like based on everything that you have going on, you're going to need the 10 hour collection. So let me go ahead and send that to you so you can take a look at it. Yeah. Um, the thing that they have to have it, I'm making that recommendation and I'm going to recommend whatever I truly think is better for them. I'm not going to pick like my most top, top expensive collection because I want them to pay me more money. Not at all. 
Um, it's uh, it's whatever I think is going to be the best fit for them. I'll, I'll just guide them down that. Because remember, we always want to be the guides for our client. And if they're not sure, well, you can absolutely help them with that. I like that a lot. I want, as we wrap it up, I want to go back to one point you said. This is so everything you just talked about was we've met with the client. These are the things we're going to do to avoid to have our clients follow up, to avoid being ghosted, which you defined earlier, after we've met with them. I'm going to take a step back to still the pre-meeting with them, avoid being ghosted. And I'm bringing this up because this is something that's happened really kind of a lot to us recently. In our initial email, we'll send our base price. And you mentioned not having the price is going to get us more calls. Some of them might not be as qualified, right? Some of them, we might be out of the budget, but we can determine that. But it's been really interesting because we've had a lot of people say, oh, you're just a little out of our budget. And when I ask, oh, well, what was your budget that you were thinking? When they respond, it's usually pretty close to what that base price was. Like close enough where it's like, oh, we would work with you. Like we can, we can get it. Like maybe it's like $200 off or something like that. But it's just in their mind that it's, oh, it's over what I was planning. And I think by not having the price on there, um, I think it is a lot more helpful because then when you start getting into pricing, and asking permission to, hey, we'd love to go over pricing now. Is that all right with you, right? And then they give you permission to talk about pricing. You talk about the pricing and you talk about what their budget is. And you can say, oh, well, you know what? Our collection's typically this amount. We're actually doing a, uh, a special for the bridal show, right? And that 10% off our collections gets you right back to where we're only $100 over your budget. So we're, we're right there, right? And now they're like, oh yeah, like we can do it. And uh, it's really interesting because a couple of people had said, oh, you're just a little over budget. What's your budget? They told me, I was like, well, actually like we're doing this special. Like, so we're, we're, we're right there. Like, oh yeah, let's do a call. And it's just funny because had I not done the pricing, right? We would have just done the call and they would have known that and it wouldn't have been a thing. But because I want, it's, I'm, it's, I'm curious to see and I'll never know necessarily, but like how many of those people that never responded would have responded if it, if I just hadn't put that price in, you know, that maybe we were just a little out of it. And some people yeah. they have a budget that is totally, yeah, this is not going to be the right fit. It's not close. There's probably a lot of other photographers that happens, but sometimes it's, it's pretty close. It's close enough where for us, we're willing to work with it. Like, yeah, like if it's a wedding we want to work with and, and shoot. And so I just wanted to bring that point up as well. So I agree with you. I'm a, we're gonna after you brought that up yesterday, I started thinking about it, and it's something we're gonna start doing in all of our initial emails as well as not putting that base price. Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear that goes for you, Tyler. Yeah, so I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Uh, awesome. I feel like you gave us a ton of just wisdom and gold and uh, awesome. So if you had to sum up everything you said in the quick sentence of like what what do we need to do what do i need to do what do all of us photographers need to do to to avoid to to make sure that our our clients and our potential clients are responding to us and we're not getting ghosted what is good of sum it up into one thing or two things or one sentence yeah i think you've already touched on it and that's to do what you can to get them in the consultation 
uh, first. So keeping your emails short and sweet, um, giving them those dates where it is uh, um, call to actions that are very uh, easy for them to understand, get them in the consultation, and then don't be afraid to ask them what their budget is. So go over pricing with them. And if you uh, are getting some vibes, or even if you, you're not, you can't tell, but you just want to know, don't be afraid. There's nothing wrong with saying like, so what, just curious, what is your budget? Um, so then you can just get that out into the open and then be willing to work with them if it's something uh, you're interested in doing. So I would never advocate, you know, compromising your integrity and taking um, weddings that, or any kind of client that you feel is not a good fit for you in your, in your business. Um, but at the same time, there's no reason that you have, you can't, you know, be a little flexible sometimes, um, if it helps you ultimately grow and become better at what you're doing. Love it. All right, man. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for meeting with me. Yeah. Thanks for chatting and, uh, we'll chat next week. Yeah, see you next week.